Well, on this Christmas Eve Sunday, I wanted to look with you at part of the Christmas story. And, you know, that's the section we so commonly read from Luke's gospel, you know, beginning at chapter two, where it talks about Caesar Augustus making a, a decree that all the world should be taxed. And, you know, really that was one of the, uh, you could say that one of the components that the Lord orchestrated all around the world, you know, in order to accomplish his will, his purpose. And, you know, all of those things set the stage for Joseph and Mary to travel south from Nazareth uh, all the way down to Bethlehem, some hard to know which route, depending on which route they take, it could have been 90 miles that they had to travel and she was pregnant and, you know, probably not a pleasant experience. And then they arrived in Bethlehem and there was no room for them. So they had to sleep with the animals. And then Christ was born there in that lowly place, that lowly way. But not only that, there was another group in this story uh, and those are the ones I want to consider uh, this morning and just looking at this little group of shepherds that had this glorious experience. Now, these shepherds had a divine appointment that was recorded for all eternity. What a privilege they had to, to have that experience, you know, with the heavenly host. And, and so perhaps we can read together this, this part of the story. And so in Luke 2, we'll read verses 8 through 18. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with, uh, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them unto heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child and all they that heard it wandered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. What an experience they had. This little band of shepherds, you know, little did they know of, you know, that they were appointed to perceive and declare the wonderful things of God, of his high praises, of his glory and to behold the newborn king, and to, then to spread abroad the message of hope that the Messiah had been born. But, you know, it starts in verse 8. This is kind of how the story begins 
the, the baseline, you could say, it says they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in their field and just keeping watch over their flock by night. So the little bands of band of shepherds was just there being faithful, abiding in their fields, in their appointed places. Now, it's thought that some of these shepherds were actually responsible, responsible for providing the, the lambs that were to be sacrificed in the temple, in the daily sacrifice. So it, in, in Exodus 29, we won't turn there, but it talks about how it, the Lord established the morning and the evening sacrifice, and they would offer a lamb in each of those sacrifices. And so it's thought that some of these shepherds were watching over those little lambs who were going to be the, the sacrifice in the temple. And I find it so significant. And of course, that, that is significant that those who were watching over the lambs for sacrifice were about to behold the Lamb of God who came to this earth to become the sacrifice for man, the one who would take away the sins of the world. And they were about to hear that announcement. You know, that was their divine appointment at that time and that hour to hear that announcement from the angelic host and then to proclaim the glory of God. Uh, I mean, they, not just them, but then people who heard this must have been thinking, whoa, what is happening here? This is something new. Well, it was. It was bringing them in to something new, into a new season, the dawning of a new day. And, you know, we can see that thought throughout Scripture that there's a divine appointment for those who are following the Lamb. You know, like Moses, you know, we've been kind of looking at, at how he, he just followed God in his appointed season, or like Joseph or Abraham, or, you know, you can think of many, Paul and Silas in the New Testament, that they had their, their appointed season of meeting the Lord and experiencing His glory, proclaiming His glory. But, you know, as we follow the Lamb and we align ourselves with His plan, that's the key, there's a divine appointment to behold His glory. Now, there's a couple of things that we can understand from, from the story of the shepherds that is instructive to us. Now, one was that they were watching over their flock faithfully night after night. And I, I think it's very interesting that the Lord ordains this experience to take place at night. It didn't take place during the day. It was at night when they were just sitting in the fields, watching over their sheep, making sure everything was okay, that the predators weren't coming in, just kind of doing their, their, their duty as they were appointed. But it was the nighttime. And I think we can kind of identify with these shepherds to a degree in that sense of the night, right? We're all seeking just to continue in our appointed places to be faithful, to do what he's called us to do, but yet we see the darkness arising. And it's just, it's getting dark out there and the night is there. And, and we know that when the, with the night comes the predators. And so we're trying to be watchful and we, maybe we hear the howling of the predators off in the distance. <laughs> we're like, sometimes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up when you hear that. And you're like, oh God, help us. Preserve us. 
But at the same time, it's an opportunity for something special to take place. Right? Because the night is the absence of light. Right? God ordained the seasons and the times of the day and the night. And so, you know, it's, it's a time when light is greatly reduced or totally taken away. It's pitch black. But what that night also does is magnify a little light. Right? If you left a candle, small candle burning in the corner in the daytime, you almost wouldn't notice, right? You'd forget that's burning. And because you don't see that, you don't feel the impact of that. But then if the lights turn off, you're very grateful for that, that little light. Everyone sees that flame. But I mean, that can speak of how God values what takes place in the night seasons, in the times of, of darkness in our lives. You know, for the angels, they brought that song of praise in that night season. Now, it doesn't explicitly say in that, you know, I actually, I always thought it did, but it doesn't say they were singing, but it does say they were praising. In my mind's eye, I kind of, uh, you know, I'd like to think that that af after the proclamation and all of a sudden the angels all appeared, I kind of imagine the, the air being filled with songs of praise to God. You know, with thousands of angels singing praises to the Lamb in a mighty chorus, maybe, you know, something we could understand. We think of Handel's Messiah, of glory to God in the highest. You know, it's maybe the closest we can per perceive of that, but, but of a much greater magnitude in that experience. But there, there's that thought of the importance and power of our song in the night, of our song of praise, of our response to God. Isaiah 30 and verse 29 has a, has a little reference to this thought. And it says, You shall have a song as in the night, when a holy solemnity is kept, and gladness of heart as when one goes with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord, to the mighty one of Israel. You know, there's a song that God wants to come forth in the dark times. A song of praise, a song of hope, a declaration of gladness and rejoicing because the day is going to come when he will lead us into his holy mountain to the mighty one of Israel. But, you know, there's a difference between us and the shepherds is we know the end of the matter, right? We know that God is coming again, and he's not coming just as the lamb anymore, but he's coming as the lion, and he's coming in glory and in power, and he's going to reign and take, his, take David's throne and reign as king. But also the difference is, is that we can take part in the heavenly chorus. That's the opportunity we have. It's not just us down here and the angels up there. It's the opportunity we have to add our voice to that heavenly choir. And how does that take place? By singing praises to the Lamb in very dark times. That in our dark situations, you know, instead of looking around at the trouble and all the overwhelming situations, we close our eyes to that and we say, no, what's, re what's real 
is the lamb that the lamb's worthy and that he's going to bring deliverance and that he's going to sit on his throne and all this stuff is going to pass away and I'm going to be in his kingdom for all eternity. And so I'm going to start now by adding my voice to that heavenly choir. You know, the, of course, the, the picture, one of the ultimate pictures in the New Testament that we often refer to as Paul and Silas in that darkest time of night in the prison after they've been beaten and flogged and they're probably bleeding and, you know, just feeling, you know, that's not, doesn't feel too well either after you've been beaten up and you've been put in prison and you don't know when you're getting out and that, that can weigh heavy on you. Well, they had, a, they had a response to that heaviness that was trying to come upon them. They said, I don't know who suggested it, maybe Paul turned to Silas, or Silas turned to Paul and said, hey, let's sing a song. And there, as they were chained up at midnight in the darkest time, they started singing. And that song was heard all the way. It echoed all the way up to heaven. And it was heard. And it was added to that heavenly chorus. And of course, there was a response. The echo came back in the form of a mighty power an earthquake that threw the prison doors open and set the prisoners free. But you know, that, that song represents a response in the heart and in the night that we can give to God. You know, that we can make our declaration to Him. You know, it doesn't, it's not always as dramatic as an earthquake, but it's as important and it's as powerful in the spiritual realm Maybe we can proclaim, Lord, it's, even though it's so dark and I don't see an end to this and, you know, it's overwhelming, but I'm going to choose to be like a watchman on the wall. You know, and a, a part of the watchman is that they're not just looking for the enemy. You know, they're looking for the dawn. They're looking for the rising of the sun. And, 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 and it could be that thought, yet I will rejoice. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to hope in your goodness. I'm going to trust that you're going to move, that you're faithful. You know, that's really the song of the night. That's our song of praise that we can partake in. Now, another part of the night is that sometimes it seems like it drags on. Hours and hours. Is it morning yet? Isn't that a wonderful experience when you're in bed Oh man, I can't sleep. What time is it? Oh, it's what? It's only midnight. <laughs> I, th I thought it was almost morning and it just drags on and on. But yet in those night seasons, you know, we, we looked at the example of the shepherds. They were just faithfully in the fields, abiding, keeping watch over their flock by night. And that could be a picture to us of just being in that position that God's placed us, doing what he's called us to do. You know, learning those lessons of faithfulness. Not paying attention to what exactly He's called us to do and the magnitude of it, but just that we're doing what He said. You know, it's like Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 21. You know, He said, those who have been faithful in the little, in the small areas, in the few things, God will grant authority to rule over many things. And those are the ones that enter in to the joy of the Lord. 
But that requires faithfully watching over the little things, those little responsibilities, little opportunities that God gives. Of course, we've been considering the, the life of Moses here in, in our series on Sunday mornings. And I, I wonder what it must have been like those 40 years in the wilderness after he left Egypt. I wonder if he just battled thoughts of discouragement at times, right? Thinking, well, I'm just a sheep herder now. You know, I, I thought I had a call to be a deliverer, maybe, but I blew it, blew my chance, right? I'm not going on, you know, I'm not experiencing a lot of potential for being used by God now. But he obeyed, but he submitted, and he just did what God was telling him to do those 40 years in the desert. And we know he took it seriously because God summarized his life and, and in Hebrews 3 and verse 5, and he said, Moses was a servant that was faithful in all of his house. We can understand that to mean every part, every aspect of his journey. He was faithful to do what God asked him to do. And so that thought of faithfulness is really what, Madi, what Moses embodies because he's surely one of the, those two candlesticks who are standing before the Lord of the whole earth. And though we know that those who are with him are called, chosen, and found faithful, especially in the night seasons. Now, some verses that, that kept coming to me as I was preparing this message was one of the Psalms of degrees. And those were the Psalms that the pilgrims would sing on their trail you know, to the, to the feast days in Jerusalem up to God's holy mountain. One of them was Psalm 130. And it says, Psalm 130, verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than those that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. I think that really captures uh, and summarizes the thought of being faithful shepherds at night. You know, holding on to his word. In his word, do I hope my soul waits for the Lord. And of course, there's that temptation in the dark times to try and figure something out, to bring light to it, to bring our own spark. And of course, Isaiah has a warning for that, Isaiah 50, 11. You know, don't, don't make our own spark or our own flame because the result is that we lie down in sorrow because we're going to another source of light other than the light of the world. And start, instead of trying to create a change in our situation, we look to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth who will arise and move in our situation. Now, of course, that eventually with the shepherds, as they were faithful, that divine appointment came in the form of a, a heavenly host making that proclamation. And in, in Luke 2 and verse 14, they proclaimed three things. Glory, uh, it says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, at the first coming of Christ, it was the Son of God who humbled himself to dwell with man 
But at the end of the age, it's the one who's magnified. He's the highest of all. His glory is going to be seen over all the earth. And that's a big part of our hope, isn't it? It's the dawning of a new day. The glory of God arising and being seen in his people. But it's an invitation as well of being a, uh, to be a part of that glorious church who is going to take on his glory. And that's how we're going to proclaim glory in the highest. Glory in the highest. But you know, we're given a, a specific picture of the high and lofty one. Right? Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Because our, our goal is to be with the one who is high and lofty. It says, thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him that is a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And so the way to that high place and to the high praises of, of God is found in walking in the pathway of the Lamb who first came in that lowly state. As we read about, as we sang about this morning in some of those you know, Christmas songs, he made himself of no reputation. He embraced the cross. But that's the way to being lifted up in God's kingdom. And because that is the, that's who the Lord desires to dwell with, those who have walked the same pathway, those who are of a, a humble spirit. And he will revive the spirit of the contrite ones. I was looking that word up, contrite ones. Like, what does that mean? But in the Hebrew, it's, it's kind of interesting. It actually means crushed. I'm going to revive the spirit of the crushed. And the, in ancient Hebrew, some of the symbols they use for that can have some significance. And this, this, the ancient Hebrew symbols for this word was a pictograph of two things. One was a bowl and one was a door. And the door speaks of movement, right? Going back to and forth. Uh, and the bull represents what the seeds would be placed in. And, you'd, you know, you'd have a, the mortar and the pestle and you'd grind up those seeds and crush them into powder. Then you could use them. And so, you know, it's that thought of, you know, how do, how do, we, how do we go through that door of the, in, to experience the glorious throne of God? It's through being crushed, through being broken like bread made into fine flour through a work of humility. But that's the kind of people that God desires to dwell with in his holy mountain. Two, two more little thoughts, last little thoughts here. Because it's glory to the highest and then peace on earth. The word for peace means to join or to unify, to become united. And that's, that's the purpose for God in the last days. It's going to be a time of judgment but the real purpose is, is to bring unity among God's people, to unify in glory, in truth, in righteousness. And that's kind of the enigma of the last days. It's going to be a time of trouble. And in fact, it says God's going to take peace from the earth. But in the midst of that trouble, he's going to put a peace upon the people of God and a unity that they've never known before. 
but it's because our hearts are set upon the glorious one. And every step we take is, is to, on that pathway of being joined with him, closer and closer until we become one. One last phrase, that final phrase, goodwill toward men. That, that uh, in, in the New Testament, that word is more often translated good pleasure. Good pleasure. And, you know, Paul was using this phrase when he expressed his prayer for the Thessalonian church. He said this in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. He said that God would count them worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. The desire and the plan of God is that we would enter into the good pleasure of his goodness. That's the ultimate fulfillment of the plan. It's true pleasure and fulfillment and delight. It's a restoration of what, was, what, what took place in the beginning where man had fellowship with God and then lost it. But God desires to have delight with his people. Good pleasure. You know, in Proverbs 8, verse 30, it speaks prophetically of Christ back at the very beginning. And it says, Then was, was I by him, speaking of the Son being with the Father. As one brought up with him, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Verse 31, Rejoicing in the habitable, habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. That's a perfect picture of restoration. That's not just the picture of the beginning, it's the picture of the end of the matter. That delight that the Godhead desires to have with his glorious church. But that's our divine appointment. A glorious delight as we dwell with Christ and our heavenly Father for all eternity. But it's also peace on earth. Right? We have that divine appointment to meet God in the time of darkness, trusting and believing in the Son of Righteousness that He's going to arise with healing in His wings and He's going to meet with His people. But our part in that heavenly opportunity is to become a voice of the heavenly choir, one of the voices, proclaiming glory to God in the highest. Even in the darkness, we're going to, we're going to sing praises to the Lamb. And I, in fact, I think that's really what qualifies us to be a part of that heavenly choir, right? Of singing songs in our fiery trials. And it's the song of the faithful, of those who have waited for the Lord as a watchman. They're looking for the enemy, but they're looking for the dawning of a new day. And so they will wait, they'll watch, they'll continue. Because with that dawning comes plenteous redemption, as the scriptures say. And the fulfillment of that cry of glory to God in the highest, as he is united with his people, and his delight is in the sons and daughters. And Lord, we look to you. Lord, in this Christmas season, Lord, we pray that, that Lord, we might enter in and experience in that proclamation of glory, Lord, that we might be your people. Oh, Lord, would you give us that heart of the faithful shepherds, Lord, just to do your will and to please your heart 
and that, Lord, you'd put within our heart afresh, Lord, that that song, even in the night seasons, as we see the night around us and we hear, Lord, the sounds of, of darkness and the enemy working, oh God. But Lord, we choose to look to you and sing a song of praise to the Lamb, of glory in the highest. Lord, that you would accomplish your will. Do that within us. Lord, give us faithful hearts to hope and believe in you. Oh Lord, that you would accomplish your good work Lord, that you would do that work of humility, that we would walk in that pathway. Lord, uh, that we'd be willing to humble ourselves under your mighty hand, that we could be lifted up to sit with you in heavenly places for all eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.